You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We went from normal life, healthy child, to acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The, the term activist to me is really important that we also use the, you know, words like social problem solver, because I want people to know that it's not like a position you can get hired for, that your unique experience is what can make you an activist. What makes me an activist and what makes so many other amazing people in my generation activists is their ability to combine their own personal training and education and research with their personal experiences and passions. That was Marley Dias. And given all she's accomplished, it's hard to believe she's only 16. The youngest member of Forbes 30 Under 30 list, Marley's an activist, author, and TV host. She first came to national attention for her campaign, hashtag 1000 Black Girl Books, which she started when she was only 10 years old. I'm Alain Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Marley started Hashtag 1000 Black Girl Books with a mission to collect and donate a thousand books that feature black girls as the main character. The campaign passed its goal in just its first few months, and so far, she's collected more than 13,000 black girl books. Today, Marley is an ambassador for the National Education Association and the host of the Netflix show, Bookmarks, where celebrities and artists read and discuss children's books by Black authors. She's also author of the autobiography, Marley Dias Gets It Done, and so can you. Listen and learn why Marley Dias is one of Seneca's 100 women to hear. I'm so delighted to be here today with Marley Dias, the founder of 1000 Black Girl Books. She's an activist, an author, and so much more. And we are just really thrilled to be able to engage in this conversation with her. So Marley, welcome. Thank you for having me. 
You first gained national attention with A Thousand Black Girl Books, which you launched when you were just 10 years old, and that was back in 2015. Explain the campaign, how you got started, why did you do this, what was your motivation? We're eager to hear. So uh, like you said, um, when I, I've been a really avid reader for my whole life, and my parents have encouraged me to use reading as a way to gain more vocabulary to entertain myself as an only child um, and to do the things I can, you know, in my everyday life to learn more about the world around me and to have fun. Um, And I had a really diverse and still have a very diverse library through, you know, the resources of my parents and their ability to buy me any books I want or or I asked for. Um, But when I went to school, even though I live in a fairly affluent district, we did not have diverse books and our teachers and educators were not able to make an active and take an active step in including the stories of Black girls and diverse stories in general. So I noticed kind of the difference between my home library and my school's library. And I talked to my mom about it. And I, and I said that there was a problem, that something needed to be done. Because if so many young Black girls like me are going to school thinking that this is going to be the way they learn about the world or about history and feel educated and understood, we have to make sure that our schools are backing up those claims with the books they assign, the videos they show, and the way that they teach students. So after complaining to my mom, she just basically told me, what are you going to do about it? Because she's not a student. She can, you know, just buy whatever book she wants and encouraged me to think beyond myself um, and to do things that could help others. So I decided I was going to collect 1,000 books where Black girls were the main characters. And I have now donated over 13,000 books uh, or collected 13,000 books and donated more than half to communities across the world. It's so visionary of you and such a a real strong commitment to helping others at a very young age. So you undertook this plan. You must have confronted some challenges or hurdles that you had to overcome to get a thousand black girl books off the ground. Can you tell us a little bit about how it went and what you learned along the way? Well, this process has been really enjoyable and difficult at some times. Um, And one of the things my mom and I often discuss and talk about, uh, my mom runs a foundation for women and girls called the Grassroots Community Foundation. And oftentimes she she runs a leadership camp for young Black girls. And the way in order to get people to donate and support often to Black initiatives and Black work is that we have to look like we're in pain, that we're in absolute strife and absolute misery. And it's very difficult for people to understand that even middle class, wealthy, you know, people that have all types of resources that are Black need these need these helps and supports. So oftentimes you might see very popular campaigns that are fighting world hunger and poverty. And the only way you can get people to donate is if these kids look extremely sick and unkempt and, and any, any of these things that might be true or not. So it can be really hard for people to understand that racism exists in so many different forms. There's so many different kinds of people. And although I have more resources than other kids in the country, it's really important that we make sure that all kinds of people are able to live equitable lives and they don't have to be at these extreme lows or extreme highs to get resources or to give resources. So I think it was really hard at the beginning of the campaign to encourage people to donate because many people think that once there is a presence of books, it's automatically a gift. But if these books are spreading mistruths, that are spreading stereotypes, that are not educating, there is much less of a gift in giving these stories to young kids. So once it becomes kind of a nuanced issue where I don't necessarily have a, a kind of difficult and tragic story to share with people, it can be really hard for people to understand that they should still help, that there's still something to give to someone who has some things, but not everything. 
So did you personally gather the books or did you have a network that was engaged in this? What was your process like? So our process was really through my mom's foundation, as I I mentioned before, the Grassroots Community Foundation. Um, She has an office space and she actually ran a a leadership. She runs a leadership camp called Super Camp, uh, as I said, that has, you know, kind of other, other young girls my age training and launching social action projects. Although mine is currently the most notable, there are several others, uh, several others. But I was the first one to, you know, kind of start this. So we would send out, you know, uh, information on social media about what's going on in children's publishing, what, how you can help by donating books or, you know, financially supporting the campaign. Um, and then we would receive books that were shipped into the grassroots office where my mom uh, works. So we would have the books, we catalog them, we log them, we write down how many we get, and we try to keep at least two of every copy of book because we like to have the idea that we, you know, we have one of the, we could say we have one of the largest collections of black girl books. And um, so that's why some of the books that we have are not, they're not all donated because we want to keep and protect these stories, uh, especially for self-published authors. So once we receive the books, we count them. And then we look at emails, letters, and messages on Instagram or other social media platforms from schools and teachers and uh, any districts that are interested in partnering with us. Um, and that's often through the work of my mom because I'm still in school, but uh, we're always looking to make sure that we're working in areas that are both, you know, maybe homogenous black spaces, homogenous white spaces, really diverse spaces, and making sure that people understand that diversity needs to come from, you know, both diverse communities themselves that are sharing their own stories and from communities that are majority of one race or one experience. so They can learn so much more about the world around them. Such an important thing to be doing. Now, you're only 16 uh, now. But you've already been featured in Time Magazine and Forbes. You've got a Netflix show on which you have celebrities reading children's books aloud. You've published an autobiography. And these are just a few of your accomplishments by the time you turned 16. When did you first realize you were an activist? Where did this inspiration come from? What's your earliest memory of trying to make a difference in the world? Was it back when you were 10 or can you go back even farther? This is such a fun question because the word activist is really interesting to me because I have never, I call myself an activist because people understand what that means now, maybe just through social media or the way that times are changing. But when my mom, you know, like she was actually still raising me, but when she was raising me really, when I was really young, she never used that word with me. Even with people like Angela Davis or Malcolm X, the word was always revolutionary. And I actually was not very familiar with the term activist, but it is often used you know, to describe this work, because what I do is not necessarily of that same scale or, or anything of the sort. But the, the term activist to me is really important that we also use the, you know, words like social problem solver, because I want people to know that it's not like a position you can get hired for, that your unique experience is what can make you an activist. And sometimes when I use that word, especially around young kids, they think that they somehow need to have like a resume and all these like, you know, formalities. Um, but what makes me an activist and what makes so many other amazing people in my generation activists is their ability to combine their own personal training and education and research with their personal experiences and passions. So I think, you know, that that's really 1000 Black Girl Books is my first experience of me being solely kind of by myself with just the collaboration of my mom and her foundation working on something. But through uh, the Grassroots Community Foundation that my mom runs, I have been working with her on several projects where she has healthcare initiatives called Roots Rock Run, where there's a, a yearly run in Philadelphia to help make sure that kids understand the importance of nutrition and, you know, breaking down some of the institutional barriers for healthcare and healthy lives for Black people in poor communities. 
Uh, she also works on things like Give Thanks, a campaign in Newark, New Jersey, that is focused on giving away turkeys and fresh fruits and vegetables. So I'd often watch my mom be an activist, but I never would describe my mom as an activist. I would say that she was just a problem solver. She just did what other people were thinking about, what they were complaining about, and she took her time. Maybe it's because she's a sociologist and a professor, but she has the ability to command people in a way that I really admire, but also a way to listen to them before she decides to do that commanding, before she decides to be the leader, before she decides to you know, stand up for something, that she's really willing to hear people out for who they are and to never put her own perspective or idea into a project before somebody else's need. So it really had come from my mom and just kind of being her sidekick for a long time where she would take me to these things that I didn't have a babysitter um, and just watching her do things that were really cool and, and impacted the way I saw my own potential. There's a really important lesson in, in what you just said, I think, for parents and children just listening to you. So your mom was clearly an inspiration. Yes, she always is. I'm, I'm always impressed by her. And she recently just published a book called um, Parent Like It Matters, How to Raise Joyful Changemaking Girls, which is really, I'm really proud of her because I've watched her go through this process during a pandemic, during all this, you know, craziness. Um, and I'm always, you know, super proud of her. And I feel like now that I'm older, I can root for her in a different way because I see more of the challenges she has to overcome than I did when I was, you know, seven or eight. So you saw your mom as a problem solver. I think you see yourself from what you said, solving problems as well, making a difference for other people. Does this sense of trying to make a difference, is that a strong influence on you? Yes, it, it has a very strong influence on me. And it's honestly, it's stronger on my mom because at, almost every day after I do online school, I must complain to her about something. And she always wants me to take it to the next level. And there, to be honest, there's a lot of great ideas I've had or problems I've seen that I might have shut down just because I'm tired and I feel like I'm working on something really big and I get super stressed. But, you know, my mom has this ability where she and, and she often asks me the question, what are you going to do about it? not just about 1,000 Black Girl books, that I had a kind of racially insensitive interaction at my job and an interaction at school. And she told me that there are probably other girls like this, other girls that are hearing these kinds of things, and you need to stop those types of behaviors. And she's often pushing me to do more, and I try my best. Uh, but I think it's really important that I get that encouragement anyway, that even if I'm not pursuing something, she's willing to listen to me when I notice a pattern in my school and giving me the words to identify those patterns of when things are problematic or they are hurtful or maybe I'm doing something hurtful. So she was a guide in many ways as well, sort of moving you on to the next thing or don't you, Marley, see this problem ahead of you? Maybe you can do something about that. I think that's a, that's a wonderful way to be uh, an inspiration as well. Now, I know, and you've described how A Thousand Black Girl Books gathers books, how you influence other girls. But what do you see as its greater mission? You, you've alluded to that a good bit. Are there other projects that are currently underway as part of this? Um, I don't know. I mean, I can't answer that. You know, I can't answer that. But I have, I have some things, you know, in my head that I've been thinking about. But um, the larger thing, the thing at large and the goal at large for 1000 Black Girl Books is really two things. Um, it's for the humanity of Black girls to be respected through the media that is created about us, by us, for us, and for audiences that don't look like us. So that is diverse books. It is, you know, movies that are accurate in, in, their, in portraying the Black girls' experiences. It is an education um, and business people that lead businesses. Um, 
And then the second part is for all kids and all young people to value the experience of learning about the world around them, to be interested in training, to be interested in social science, to be interested in history, um, and then to use those interests and whatever patterns they discover about the world around us and try to stop them, to try to make things better, to try to include their own interests and goals and desires uh, and do something that helps others and specifically the communities around them and the people that they love. Oh, that's beautifully said. And you're clearly wise beyond your years, certainly in in what you're doing and, and the way you articulate it. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. So I, I mentioned uh, in the context of the many things you've done at a very young age, I might add, your new Netflix show, Bookmarks. Uh, now, I know that you have celebrities like Misty Copeland and Lupita Nyong'o read children's books aloud. You are both the host and you are the executive producer. So tell us about Bookmarks. What is its goal? Uh, what do you see as its mission? And what's it like to be an executive producer of a show that has such powerful people appear on it? It makes me feel really, really grateful for, you know, the the things that I've been able to do and the people that have trusted in my belief or my perspective or wanted to hear from me. Um, And I think I probably said listening or hearing like 10 million times because it's really important, I think, to working well with adults and with young people. Um, But Netflix reached out to me in interest of just seeing what I thought about what kinds of books and what stories were important for kids to know more about. And I had compiled a list and talked to who would become my directors and producers at the time, but I didn't really, I didn't know of what Bookmarks was going to be. And then they kind of mentioned and pitched to me the idea that I would be hosting the show. 
uh, and I would be able to introduce these books, help come up with the questions. And they'd actually worked with a really amazing um, researcher named Dr. Kevin Clark, who came up with the curriculum for Bookmarks, which is available on our website. So they had kind of the idea in mind. And and the idea that's really important to me is that there is a really interesting way to educate virtually and to engage really young kids and their parents in conversations about who they are and how they see the world. That oftentimes when young kids act out or they say something that sounds crazy, it's because they don't have the vocabulary and the understanding to feel comfortable to talk to their parents about maybe they see something that's racist and they don't know what to uh, to call it, or they feel uncomfortable in their their bodies and they're growing up and they're scared. So bookmarks is really about giving kids the language and the sense of comfort to be who they are, um, and for kids that are not black to learn more about the the kind of universal struggles and to value the difference uh, of all people. I think sometimes when I talk or I, my campaign gets described, people often use the word or phrase regardless of race. And I find that phrase to be very problematic because there is no way to ignore race and to ignore racial politics and to ignore white supremacy. And if we value and critically think about those things, we can think of including race in conversations as to be great benefits to our society. Um, so this is really about including race in those conversations and not making racial injustice or uh, any of these difficult topics feel inaccessible to kids because they experience that same kind of racism. They experience those same kind of stereotypes. And if we don't give young kids the vocabulary to express when something is wrong and something is right uh, or teach them about the way that the world works, they will then become adults that are scared to communicate what is happening to them. So Bookmarks is about giving kids and parents the words to really talk about things that matter. Um, And it was such a pleasure for me to do that and to be a part of it. And I really hope that we're able to continue it in the future. So how does Bookmarks work? If I were to tune into it, I would see a celebrity uh, reading a a certain book aloud. And then is there an exchange uh, that goes on uh, in a conversation? So the way that Bookmarks works is that I start off by introducing the name of the book, the title, and kind of what the theme is. Then it will you know, sweep over into an author sitting in a, a very pretty set with an animated background of actually the book and the pages turning of the book so you can see it really big instead of them turning it around. Um, and we have really funny people like Tiffany Haddish and Caleb McLaughlin and Marseille Martin and Lupita Nyong'o, like you said. And, uh, and then after they read the book, they look you know, straight to camera and they ask a question. So it's maybe, why do you love your hair? Who are some people that you really admire? Do you feel that you are enough? So those aren't the exact questions. But, you know, just giving parents a way to maybe learn more about their kid, learn more about what they just read and saw and how that affects them. So the show, you know, wraps up with that. But it's really about the introduction and seeing a a bright face like mine, the, uh, you know, immersive and really hilarious storytelling of some of these authors. And then a question that makes them still think about these stories after they are done hearing them. Very good. So it seems that your generation, Marley, at least it's my experience and observation, is very activist and engaged, very committed to really trying to have an imprint, an impact in some some way that makes a difference. So among young women in your age group, are there any who inspire you? Among my age group, I think the number one person that inspires me among my age group is my my dear friend Marseille Martin, she is she um, actually executive produced and starred in a movie called Little with Issa Rae, um, and I will always look up to uh, and see her as someone that you know has just taught me so much about the world. She's an actress and she stars in the show Blackish, and I remember meeting her originally for a reading party I was doing with the 
uh, former Obama administration's Department of Education focused on bringing Black kids from uh, inner cities of D.C. to come get free books and to meet the author of a book called One Crazy Summer. So I had reached out to her uh, family and team as someone I wanted to host with me. And she just encouraged me to be more of myself, to be more funny, to show more of who I, I am. Because as an actor, you know, you do that automatically. But as someone uh, like me who, you know, is talking about like facts and, you know, things that make people sometimes stressed or uncomfortable, I felt like it was going to be too hard. Um, but she's always encouraged me to be more of myself. And she is just always been really great to me as a family, as a support system. Um, and she was the first executive producer I ever saw that was a teenager. And she's the youngest executive producer, I'm pretty sure, of a, a major film like that. So she uh, honestly pushed me, um, just kind of seeing through her success that maybe I could do it too, and that my opinion could be valuable in a conversation like this. So she's been a mentor in some ways to you, it sounds like. Do you have advice as a result of learnings you've gotten that you give or could give to young people who want to have impact the way you've had impact? I think the best advice I can give to young people, specifically teenagers, and this is kind of coming from a, a critique of myself, is that you know, as a young person that has strong ideas and experiences some success, you can feel very prideful in the, in the fact that you've gotten something right and that you know everything. And that is very, very far from the truth. Um, and I think one thing that's really helped me is my mom's encouragement of me to, you know, look at the world before I existed, to look at the world before phones, to look at the world in times that are, you know, recorded history and have no photographs and no videos, and to try to just think critically and, and think harder about, you know, the ways, the ways that, you know, my campaign or my issue has existed for centuries before I've existed. Um, and just doing the work to learn more about the patterns that exist in our history. And if you can identify those patterns through, you know, large bands of times, you'll be able to identify the patterns in your school, in your uh, community and in your family. So I think for teenagers, especially, you should always be looking to do things that you care about and that you're passionate about. But also remembering that even though this, this work is always going to be centered a little bit through your own personal experience, that there are many, many, many other people that are going through similar things. And if we look back in history, we can find out how they overcame those things, what they could have done, and the ways that you could maybe help others by learning more. Such good advice. So what's ahead for Marley Dias? I mean, what will a 25-year-old Marley be doing? You've done so much uh, and you're only 16. What will 25 be like? Do you have any aspirations, particular aspirations? I think, you know, I'm I'm interested in going to college and I have, I've been, I think, fairly vocal about that, but I don't want to, you know, take away from, I, I've been, I think out of the, there are many activists like me that are able to do this and they end up leaving school or not staying in school or doing homeschool. And I've been very adamant about staying in public school because I started this from my experience in public school. And I felt that I wanted to just stay with my community and see how it changes and see how it evolves. And Maybe that's been too stressful for my mom and my dad, but I think it's been worth it in the end. Um, and I'm interested in going to college and, and I don't know what I'm going to study yet, but I, I clearly like to write and I like to read and I don't know how I can mix, you know, my interest in social science with that. But um, after college, I, I think it's really just learning more about how I can, you know, help somebody else succeed or be a resource to new people. Um, and 1000 Black Girl Books, is, you know, it's something that I started when I was able to, you know, be around my parents and I still obviously live with my parents. But once I've moved out, I think things like this will evolve definitely because of, of the, the benefits we have of, you know, my mom is like right next to me and my, the door over versus if I live somewhere different. 
Um, but we, we've always talked about, and I've been, I think I've been fairly vocal about how things will evolve and change after I finish high school. But the message is always there, very strong for me that I, I will continue to, to fight for justice, equity, and an understanding. Um, and when I go to college, I think I'll, I'll leave feeling much more strong in that understanding. That's also very well said. And I think you're right to be grounded in a very good education um, that will make you even more effective at what you want to do in the way you've just described, because clearly you have the capacity. And I can only imagine where you'll be, not just at 25, but well beyond. So, you know, it gives me hope to talk to you, really. You're clearly an optimist. And I wonder what particularly gives you hope right now. You know, we've gone through a lot of turmoil in our country. We have a lot of needs that will continue in many ways. But what gives you hope? That is a tricky, tricky question because I've had a very long week this week and I lost. I think, you know, there's, I think every day can be, it gets a little bit more difficult and you overcome, you know, your fears of hopelessness or your pessimism. Um, but I think that hopefully when, once I'm old, uh, once I'm older and after, you know, the world continues to change, that there will be more people like me. And I'm just, and I think there are. But I, I'm really, really hopeful that I will be, I will never be the last of any young person to do something like this. And I hope that, uh, I think by every time I do an opportunity like this, where I have a, I'm on a podcast or doing an interview, that I, you know, make people smile. I make them feel happy and comfortable and that they've learned something from me so that they bring other young people into shows like this or opportunities like this. So one thing that gives me hope is that when I feel like I've been able to connect with someone who I don't think would always be interested in hearing my story or do something that I, I hope means a lot to other people. It makes me feel like there'll be more young people in the future that can have more safe spaces to talk about how they feel, to uh, help others. Um, and that if I do something good right now, it could hopefully help someone later. You know, these conversations go all too fast and this one has gone much too fast, but I can't thank you enough, Marley Dias, for the inspiration that you represent and for all the good you've done already. And I wish you well, and I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more about you in the years to come. But as the founder of A Thousand Black Girl Books and your activism, even if you don't want to call it that, your problem solving, the work that you've already done, it's just been exceptional and it has truly made a difference. Uh, so all the best to you. And thank you so much for being part of this conversation today. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. And I'm very, very happy to talk to you. If you've ever needed proof that there's a better tomorrow ahead, well, you just heard it. Marley Dias is a true leader, a light for the future. Here are three things I took from that fascinating conversation. First, Marley wisely suggests that we need a fresh way to think about creating change in the world. Rather than praising people for being activists, she suggests we call them problem solvers, that we encourage people to use their education and experiences and interests, not to just complain about a problem, but to actually solve it. Second, as Marley says, there's no way to ignore race and the problems of racial injustice. Only when we study and critically think about these issues can we begin to make progress toward a solution. Finally, we have to learn the lessons of the past in order to move forward. 
Marley cautions young people to work on the problems that they're passionate about, but also to remember that others have dealt with these topics before and that there is much to learn. Tune in next Tuesday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.